This DC On Screen, we have coronavirus updates on the Batman and CW shows, Mark Guggenheim's podcast interview from a show that <laughs> wasn't ours, plus our favorite DC Jaiman Hansu role, who we'd love to see him play in the future, and what standalone IP should be purchased and integrated immediately into the DC universe. All that, and, well, nothing else, really. Here's a commercial. Welcome into DC On Screen, episode 589. I'm David C. Robertson, and this, my trusty co-host Jason Goss. Hello. And this is the podcast where we just... Podcast where we... Decipher? Yeah. This is the podcast. Yeah. And this is the podcast where we discuss the DC Comics multiverse on film and television, give honest opinions on projects upcoming and past, and believe that every version of a property is valid even if we really don't want it to be. If it's been released, it's fair game. So beware of spoilers, and welcome to the show. He made it! Yeah, <laughs> I made it! <laughs> I'm going to crack up to the whole intro, because I can't talk. He made it. We're very proud. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you did your best, buddy. I did, and sadly, that wasn't very good. Well, you know what Sesame Street has taught me? You kept trying, and you've, you, you did it, and... Good job. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Been watching a lot of that. Well, so I mean, at least you'll finally learn how to read. Yeah, one letter at a time. I'm so sorry, man. Yeah, we're getting there. All right. So um, we don't have a lot of movie news, but I have supplemented that mm-hmm. with listener questions. Beautiful. Uh, in the meantime, by the way, I, I want to apologize in advance if I cannot get what sounds like Arkham Asylum out of the back of the microphone. Um, Arkham Asylum. I just hear your kid. Yeah, yeah. I imagine yeah. that's that's what it sounds like sometimes, especially if Crybaby's yeah, there. I've said it before. I've said it again. This is a podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody should be familiar with this format. We're doing this from home, especially now. Yeah. So, um, bear with us. <laughs> We're already quarantined, and then I have my family under the further quarantine in order to do this. So, mm-hmm. apologies. Mm-hmm. We'll do our best. Yep. All right. So, uh, the Batman, mm-hmm. Matt Reeves, director. Of the Batman mm-hmm. confirms mm-hmm. that uh, they have director. shut down. They have shut down. No, oh, yeah, I have no doubt. Until it is safe for them to resume. Uh, if you don't know why coronavirus, how could you not know? What the hell's wrong with you? I I don't understand where you're coming from at this point. If you don't have a guess as to why that might have shut down. Yep, no idea when they're coming back. <laughs> we can take some guesses, but no idea. Yeah, uh, and uh, well, I guess on to Justice League slash Batman v Superman news. Uh, the only real news here is that we've wanted a commentary for a really long time on Batman v Superman. I saw this. I I haven't seen the news from it. I saw that it was happening. I know what you're about to say. And I was really bummed that I couldn't like, there was just no way to get that into my schedule. Well, it's still up on Vero. Still no way to get it into my schedule. I figured you would say that, but it is still available. Like you can still, you know, work it in at some point in the future. Um, and I probably will. Oh, that's cool. I didn't think you'd have any interest. No, I'm I'm, but, um, I'm actually interested. That's cool. So, yeah, Zack Snyder <laughs> no, did a live my, commentary. My reticence has been in a, a completely about whether we will get a release, not about whether I'd like to see it and mm-hmm. the, the features that might accompany it. Right. No, I mean, you know, I just... But yeah, uh, Zack Snyder did a, uh, a live commentary watch party for Batman v Superman, the, you know, uh, Ultimate Edition on Vero. You can go check it out. It's, uh, you know, I haven't seen it, 
Uh, we did have a couple of people who wanted us to talk about it, but um, I'll tell you this. The news that I have seen from it, uh, we have talked about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah, Zack Snyder finally opens up about what Martha meant. And I'm like, yeah, we, we've, he's, we've, we've covered that. We've talked about that. Mm. We've talked about what Snyder's, you know, when people are like, hey, on Vero, like, hey, Snyder, this and this, is that what Martha means? And he's like, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, stuff that he said, you know, when, when he had his... um. Uh, director's cuts Q and A. Yeah, we talked about it. We, he, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, what he's like talking about. Like, oh yeah, Watchmen, and how do you get back from that? And you don't. I don't like superhero movies with no consequences. Yeah, he said that again here, and they're treating it like it's brand new. Um, I mean that now, line you know, is five years old. He he intended Man of Steel to have consequences. Absolutely. And you know what? He, you know, he talks a little bit about uh, Harry Lennox as a Martian Manhunter, which is, you know, which is cool. He was intended to be Martian Manhunter from Man of Steel on. Yeah, we'd love to have seen it. Um, he talks about what the nightmare sequence would have been. Again, he talked about that, the director's, uh, the director's cuts. So, so far, I haven't, I personally, from what I've read, haven't seen anything new. Um, not just the, uh, me fitting this into my schedule down a couple pegs, honestly. Um, if, like, all the news outlets were coming out and saying, like, oh, by the way, you know, Jimmy Olsen was a ruse. We would have yeah. talked about it. But he didn't say that. He said, I didn't see Jimmy Olsen being a part of my story, so I thought it'd be fun to kill him. That's exactly what he said, pretty much. So. That's what he said, like, three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. So, yeah. That's uh, that's why we're not talking about it too much today. Fair um, enough. I mean... It's a thing. I, go, go check it we'll out. We'll try to watch it as best we mm-hmm. can. Time is a bit of the essence at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? If, if we find anything, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, I will. I guess you will too. I don't know why I said I will. That's <laughs> rude. I know. Rude. I know. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, last week, as we were wrapping up, uh, Jay Scott St. Clair sent us a, uh, a question. So, uh, here we go talking about that. Uh, he says, what's your favorite DC on screen portrayal from Jaiman Hansu? He played Papa Midnight in Constantine, uh, the Fisher King in Aquaman and the titular wizard in Shazam. Are there any other characters you think he'd be ideal for that? I mean, some things come to mind, but damn that Papa Midnight was fantastic. Right. I, I think Papa Midnight's my favorite of, of the, uh, of the list. Yeah, of, of the options. And even what I can think of uh the top of my head. Hold on, let me let me scan a little bit. If you have any ideas, spitball them. I'm, I'm going to scan. But, oh, damn, that was so good. Mm-hmm. Amazing accent on that thing. And what do you, what um, do you mean? Like, if I have any ideas for what character he'd be ideal for? Yeah, if you have any other ones. Uh, I was going to see if you had an idea to give me mm. some time to think. But, you know. Gosh. Um... I don't know if I do though. That I don't know. That was so I, good. You know, mm. I mean, it, it was like it was as though it was like uh, what's his name in uh, Bond, like Baron Smitey or whatever. Uh huh. Baron Smajan, Baron something with an S, and uh, it I was that, but with a backstory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's hard, really hard to beat. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who I would actually. You know what? There we go. Now we're talking. What you got? What do you think about Rachel Ghoul? I got nothing against it. He might do that pretty well. 
He, he, yeah, he could. All right, so let's think about characters with real poise because that's apparently a thing that we're both seeing. Mm-hmm. Dude can stand there and frame a shot around him, and and you're happy with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, Rage might be a good call. Hugo Strange. Mm, yeah, I mean maybe, but Hugo has a bit of an underfoot feel to him, where he's he's got the scientist vibe going on. He's sneaky. He's not. Mm-hmm. Rage, you know, takes a stand and just says, "Come what may," and go fuck yourself. Yeah, Jaiman Hansu is one of those guys where I feel like I could see him playing Rachel Ghoul, Hugo Strange, but then I could also see him turn around and play John Stewart. I mean, that's just not a bad call at all. Yeah, like he is not quite that old uh-uh. where he couldn't pull off John Stewart. Now nah, he could do it. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know that we've gotten the taste of Shaq out of our mouths yet. Uh, mm. <laughs> But steel, maybe. I could Probably see steel. No. I could see steel. Um. <laughs> that would be really solid for him, though. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um. Oh, tough call. I'm still going back to Papa Midnight. It was so good that, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm up to date on the Justice League Dark series. And mm-hmm. Papa Midnight comes and goes in that. He's He's been there in the last few issues. And uh, fuck, man. I, I still heard his voice. Yeah, so you think, like, you know, uh, what? Like, if they did, like, a Justice League Dark or a Constantine movie, you know, that's not in the Keanu Reeves timeline, screw it, Jaimon Hansu comes back as Pop at Midnight. Yeah, fuck it. Let's do this. <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. I think you could do whatever you wanted to there, because it's we have a multiverse that's already accepted the movie universe, and uh, mm-hmm. you're already, like, dealing with magic as part of the premise of having a Justice League Dark. So you could literally do whatever you want and explain it. Yeah, yeah. You could fucking have Hellboy show up, and I'd, I'd be like, well, you know what? There's there's a way. <laughs> sure, let's do he this. He should be played by Jaiman Hansu. <laughs> no, no, that's not good idea. No. Now, that, that was a work. shit movie, but Harbour did a really good job with what he was given. Of course he did. <laughs> He's a good actor. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't going to end that poorly for him. I love the idea that, you know, Ron Perlman is just sitting around going, it sucked because I wasn't in it. No, your, your, your two movies <laughs> suck too. But, I don't know. I, w- I was going to say I don't think he did a bad job, but it's been so long since I've seen those movies. So I, I won't vouch for that. Not you know what? Right. He, he did a great job. I've just, I just never liked the movies. Like, they looked great. Uh, you know, I don't really blame. What's weird is like I like Guillermo del Toro enough that I don't blame him for the Hellboy movies not being interesting to me, but I like Mike Mignola and and the Hellboy book enough that I don't blame the source material. I don't know what happened. I don't know why I don't like those movies. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't not like them, but I didn't like them. I don't know. They 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 just came and went. That's all there was to it. Yeah, like you know, nah. I, <laughs> I like Doug Jones. Yeah, I don't know. I, if not a big fan of Selma Blair, gun to my guess, head, but. if I had to name another actor that wasn't Perlman, I I could not do it. Mm-hmm. I would I probably guess yeah. Guillermo, hoping that he played a bit part somewhere, thus saving my life. Mm-hmm. I don't know about all that, but uh, anyway, stuff. Mm-hmm. Stu Little <laughs> says, "What standalone IP from any medium do you think would work very well?" if bought and integrated into the DC universe based on the recent Batman and injustice crossovers. And the fact DC doesn't do much with New York in general, I would love to see the teenage mutant Ninja turtles in there in the actual movies, uh, in the DC universe. So it's not, 
specified specifically. Okay. I was thinking across the board is what he means. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, tough one. Because there's a lot, but there's a, I mean, a lot of this has been covered, like turtles, for instance. Yeah, but, you know, I think about the Ninja Turtles is, you know, it's a, it's fun to have a crossover and it's fun for, I mean, I don't know how they handled that crossover. I don't know if there was a portal or what no, happened. Three part series. There were two different portals um, mm-hmm. and escalating consequences as it went, I should say. Yeah. But okay. they did finish it. It wasn't like ongoing. They Right. No, I was just saying I didn't know how they handled it. Like if they just pretended like the turtles and Batman always existed in the same universe or if there was oh, no. like. They, they made it this little uh, Venn diagram of universes that shouldn't exist together and they separated mm-hmm. them. So that, in, in that way, uh, I think I, I thought it was pretty elegant. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that'll work for me. Um, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, mythology does not belong in the DC universe. So, you know, if, if they wanted to do like a crisis or something and like integrate it in some way. They effectively uh, did that. Yeah. Yeah. If like, I don't think you'd be offended by how they incorporated it and took it out again. Okay. Um, but as far as taking up permanent residence there, I don't think I'd want it. No, no. Um, I think I could deal with the shadow. Yeah. Um, but uh, the first thing that I thought of when I read this question was Green Hornet. Yeah. Yeah, that because could be there. It's not a part of the universe. That could just be universe. another character that was there the entire time. Right. And he's not a part of the universe, but there is precedent for him co- coexisting with Batman because <laughs> Bill Dozier did both Batman and the Green Hornet series in the 60s, and they had a crossover. Mm-hmm. So, um, a pretty famous one. No, by, uh, by extension, that would make the Lone Ranger part of the DC universe. Because Green Hornet is yeah the Lone Ranger's you know great grandson or something yeah no they're uh, yeah possibly connected in some way yeah oh they're they are absolutely cre- connected Sorry, in some way possibly. they are um <laughs> <laughs> same creator same last name for God's sake tangentially like. collected <laughs> connected whatever collected and connected <clears throat> collected connected whatever uh yeah I could deal with that yeah. I could. Um, I, no one is going to know what I'm talking about, but Nero Wolf would be fantastic for me. Oh, yeah. It, it's literally just a, an extremely clever detective with his uh, only slightly less clever, uh, you know, man about town, uh, Girl Friday, if you will, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it just just solving crimes. Yeah. Like it wouldn't surprise me every now and then if if Archie came back and was like, "So I ran into the question," and he had a good point. Yeah. Ooh, I might. Mm. Please, if anyone knows what Neurowolf is, that's not me. Please tell me, anyone, anyone. I don't want to be alone anymore. Anyone. Yeah, Neurowolf's good. You guys should check that out if you don't know what it is. It was good stuff. Um. Yeah, I think I would like to see the Phantom mythology be brought into the DC universe. That's no, not bad. Right? I mean, there's like a whole pantheon of of uh, people that he runs around with, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you can just bring all those characters on over to the DC. It's sort of like... Uh, you know, to that end, though, I wouldn't mind the Universal monsters being brought in. Hmm. And they, they really kind of are already. Like, there is theoretically a Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a Frankenstein. He's literally part of a team. Right. Um, Invisible Man... It could be a thing by his, in his own right, but they've kind of used parts of it, I guess. Uh, Creature from the Lagoon, Lagoon could... Like, is literally drawn as... Uh, ah, what's that 
Kid something, like Kid Lagoon or something. Um, shit. Ah, I forget the name of this kid. Um, like he died in the mm. Heroes in Crisis thing in Sanctuary. Oh, God. Dude literally looks like a young creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay. Ah, it's going to kill me. I know the creature you're talking about. I just, I can't think of it. <laughs> the creature, yes. The mm, There's a DC property out there that covers this. Anyway, yeah, most of that's already covered. Uh, I wouldn't mind it being an outright property. Mm-hmm. Um, the Matrix? Eh. <laughs> I mean, could be fun as a, a little interlude. Yeah, I guess so. An alternate, re- an alternate uh, yeah, future little, or something? Yeah, just a little crossover, you know, where there's just... You'd have to do it as maybe, um, you'd have to put a ball around it, right? Yeah. Uh, see, I think that's like, that's why I'm saying like it's antithetical to the question. Like he says it's integrated into the DC universe. Sort of like how the, 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 uh, actually that's, Charlton characters that's a good were. point. I would just love for there to be a John Wick in the DC universe. <laughs> that would be so much fun. <laughs> I would love to see John Wick and Deathstroke throw down. Uh-huh. Hell Yeah. And that just feels like a crossover that could, they could go back to their separate universes. <laughs> oh, they could. You could just leave John Wick on the shelf for 30 fucking years and then later pull him out and readers would be like, oh, shit, I haven't seen this guy forever. Mm-hmm. Get very excited. I would be very excited. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm thinking done with the Counter Reeves references there. Let's just uh, go all out, man. Let's do uh, John McClane versus John Wick versus Deathstroke. No, team up versus Deathstroke. <laughs> <laughs> like John Wick gets stabbed and his uh-huh. uh, uh, he's like bleeding through a, a carotid artery or some shit like he always is um, and then just out of nowhere like jumping out of vent comes McCain McLean. uh-huh you know apparently there oh, yeah. were, um, apparently there was a film in the works several years ago oh and there's also going to be like some sidebar from Schwarzenegger's character from Jingle All the Way because that dude was way more metal than that film Deserved. Yeah. <laughs> he was beating up people in a, in a supermarket. <laughs> or in what that version of a Toys R Us or whatever. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, there was there was rumor, and apparently there was some substance to it, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, several years ago, there was a movie that was that they, they were writing, they were putting together, they were, they, were, they were trying to put together, that was going to be a crossover with uh, Die Hard yes. and the show 24. Oh. Sweet. It was going to be Jack Bauer and freaking John McClane teaming up to fight terrorism. And it was called Die Hard 24-7. <laughs> That's fantastic. I was so excited when I heard about this thing. And then it never happened. <laughs> Instead, we got, you know, whatever the crap we got. Live free or die hard. And then, which was okay. Which was, it was all right. Yeah, I, you know, I, they're fun. I, I have no opinion. I, I'm not allowed to have an opinion. I haven't seen them. You know the thing. The thing that that's funny is that everyone always says like Die Hard Four, which was Live Free or Die Hard, was the one where John McClane suddenly got superpowers and he's like surfing on the wing of a fighter jet and stuff. Mm-hmm. But him surfing on the wing of that fighter jet was like two seconds, and it was hovering like five feet off the ground. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that big of a deal, and it wasn't like they were flying through the you know, you know, wild blue yonder or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't become a superhero. That's the stupid thing, cause like, and there are people. He there was. Doc, yes, doctors have backed it up. They've looked at these movies and they've they've put videos out on YouTube. Um, he was supposed to. He would have died way more times in the first two movies. 
<laughs> Actually, not the first two. I cannot the first remember movie. the name of that channel, but I've watched that video with you. And yeah, he, yeah. he was dead so many times. Yeah, like that. Actually, number two was the only one that he actually survived. Like, Did he survive that? Yeah, they were, yeah. Oh, they were like, "Congratulations, uh, John McClane has survived Die Hard 2. <laughs> and then, like the first like five seconds of Die Hard Three is like, "John McClane is dead." <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, <clears throat> there really is. There's a whole YouTube channel devoted to this, and the, the moments when I've wandered over and and seen their videos, it, it's really pretty entertaining. I'm pretty sure it was Screen Junkies. Was it Screen Junkies? I'm pretty All sure right. they, yeah. yeah that's I'm a good start, sure. at least. Search there if you want to find anything more. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just basically, the concept is, yeah, we asked some real doctors if you would have made it out, and no, you didn't, is normally the uh, the verdict. Yeah, like, they actually get into, like, every every injury he sustains, they tell you oh, they, pretty much what he yeah. got, what, he, what happened to him. Uh, they name, like, uh, femur broke. No chance, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and um, and they just add those up until he dies, and then you he loses another life on the chart. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Wait, I actually would like to see the John Wick films. It's going to be it's gonna be a large... He's going to need a lot of mushrooms to get through that. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. All right. Uh, I, think, uh, I think we've answered Stu's question adequately. Mm, okay. So... Um, we need to get into TV news. Sure. But first, we're going to go to a commercial that we have no control over. That's the sound of a day starting out right. I hear it every time my new Toro Z-Master 4000 Zero Turn starts up. With big-time horsepower, giant voodoo track tires, turbo force deck, and comforts like MyRide and USB ports, it's fully loaded to mow all day long while delivering that signature Toro cut. From start to finish, this beast means business. Get your Z-Master 4000 today. Toro. Count on it. Are we back? Are we? Are we? Do you want to be? Are we not back? Okay. Where are we back? Oh, yay! Okay. (laughs) Crisis on Infinite Earths. Let's talk about that, all right? Sure. We we know they've pushed some stuff back, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit, but uh, just to let you guys know, they... The CW is going to re-air Christ's on Infinite Earths in April, uh, from April Tuesday, April seventh to Thursday the 9th. So I guess if you didn't have a chance to watch it, and then they didn't show like you missed the window on the CW app. You're gonna get another chance. They're gonna they're gonna play it again. So sounds good. Yay. Uh, there's a lot of TV news just from Mark Guggenheim being on a podcast. Nice. Right? Um, and it's just, it's not like groundbreaking, earth-shattering news, but it's really interesting if you're into uh, the TV side of things. Sure. And um, if I can... This is when I trust him the most. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So apparently the DC Universe shows are not required to cross over with the Arrowverse shows. And he says, this is the fake fake nerd podcast if you want to go check the full interview out but um he says that the dc universe shows were created with an expectation that they would never have to participate in the cw crossover there were creative assurances made that they wouldn't be on the hook to do so and i thought that was interesting yeah sounds smart too yeah i mean god can you imagine like trying to get a showrunner involved in that and be like by the way <laughs> you have to once be a, part a year of you have to 
be complete supplicant to the thing we're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, um, you remember how we talked about how Cameron, I think his name is Cameron Cuff, the guy that played Sedgel on Krypton, how he was going to be on Crisis and then he couldn't make it? Yeah. Uh, he talked about what that scene was. And uh. they were going to have him play a Kryptonian elder. Mm. It's when Allura was basically grabbing Kal-El and Lois on Argo to take them on the ship. We were going to have this Kryptonian elder essentially hologram in with important information about the destruction of the multiverse. And that was going to be Cameron. Fuck, that seems so doable. It does seem doable, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I would have. That would have been cool. I mean, he just couldn't do it. He just he couldn't work it into his schedule. I mean, that that's a thing. Uh, he talks about why Psycho Shit. Pirate didn't didn't make it into Crisis. All right, this is one of my big problems. So, mm-hmm. Mark Guggenheim says Psycho Pirate did make it to the draft stage. For the most part, he ended up like he could just never make it off the whiteboard. We had stories and moments and scenes and everything in between with him in it. But honestly, every single time we talked about him, it felt forced. It felt like we were doing this only because he's in the comic. That can't be the reason we included anybody. And that's what it felt like. And he says, we managed to work in a cameo for him that felt pretty legitimate. Like it felt like, okay, this is good. This works. This is satisfying. But it was part of a larger story beat. And that story beat ended up going away for a variety of different lengths and production reasons and a whole host of other things. Basically, that story beat was us going down a certain rabbit hole that we just didn't have the story time or screen time to go down. So unfortunately, that had to go. (sighs) Okay, I'll accept that. (laughs) Gotta kill your babies. Yep. I can deal with it. I mean, it would have been fine if you didn't introduce him unless you had a plan, but okay, I can deal with it. Yep. Uh, Let's see. Guggenheim is talking about the Green Lantern movie, and he says um, the Green Lantern movie being a part of the Arrowverse in in as much as it takes place on Earth-12, that was his decision. He says, I was like, I've got to get Green Lantern in there somewhere. That's only one Green Lantern. There's only one Green Lantern movie. So it just seemed obvious to me to do that. I just had to because Greg Berlani and I, we we co-wrote that movie for better or worse. To me, the experience of doing Green Lantern is a huge connective tissue with Arrow. We wouldn't have done Arrow but for Green Lantern. And we almost didn't do Arrow because of Green Lantern. <laughs> so it looms large and it tickled me. That's it made fair. me happy. <laughs> That's fair. Now, this was pretty interesting. Talk, he was talking a little bit about doing uh, basically the, the John Diggle scene where the uh, at the end of Arrow mm-hmm. with the Green Lantern ring. And he says, this was something that was worked out over a year ahead with DC Entertainment. We very specifically negotiated and discussed the parameters. And I feel like to say anything beyond what we have showed you would violate our agreement with DC. Oh, hell yeah. That's... That's um, that's something. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. I, <clears throat> I'm constantly torn though between being appreciative because I think he's telling the truth and thinking he's a goddamn liar. <laughs> I have no reason to believe he's a liar here. Not necessarily here, but he has lied to us before. He has. But for him to say that it was uh, DC's call in a way is a little bit different from his previous lies. He normally just lies about plot points, you know, stuff that you're going to see in like two months. Stuff they're filming Mm. now, but he didn't want to give it away and stuff like that. To be fair, I think he's gotten better. Eh. I think what has happened, I think what what, I think in the past he has given information Mm -hmm. 
And then, uh, as happens in a in a writer's room, it changes. It changes. Shit changes. Or he wanted to do a thing, and then DC came in and said, "Hey, buddy, um, <laughs> you know how yeah. you keep talking about the head cord? Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, he may be onto something, and they may be letting <laughs> him talk. He's also the he is the same guy who gave us the news about Ezra's appearance being like DC's call, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, if that's all true, maybe this tracks. Maybe this tracks, and this is going to be kind of fun. Yeah. Now, um, let's see. Talking about the guest stars who uh, turned down series finale appearances, he says, there were a variety of different actors from the life of the show who we wanted to see return for the Arrow series finale, and we simply couldn't manage it. Or, it's funny, no one turned us down. Every person who we approached who wasn't in the finale was doing either another television show, ironically, or a movie. Even people doing television shows, it was tricky to get them. For example, Katrina Law is a series regular on Hawaii Five-0, and that production moved heaven and earth for her to be a part of Oliver's funeral, which the scheduling was so tight on that, we actually shot the first half of the funeral without her. Katrina was headed from the airport to hair and makeup while we were shooting half that scene. Even Melissa and Grant's involvement was really, really challenging from a scheduling perspective because they both have their own shows. We pulled off as many miracles as we could. I would say we ended up pulling off more miracles than I expected, and I really have to give props to Beth Schwartz. By the time Crisis was done, I was so burnt out, and I was particularly burnt out on the subject of dealing with actor schedules and dealing with Mm -hmm. agents and managers. Every single one of the cameos and guest stars in Crisis involved at least several phone calls on my part alone, and I was so tired. So Beth really stepped up to the plate and did all of that diplomacy. There's a lot of diplomatic work that goes into these sorts of things. She carried the water when I was t- way too tired to do so. And uh, by the way, they he did they did try really hard over the course of apparently the last forever seasons of Arrow to get uh, <laughs> uh, Colin Salmon's Walter Steele to show up. And you we had both wondered what happened to Walter, why he wasn't in the finale or even yeah. in uh, yeah, season eight to some degree. An anomaly. Uh, specifically for season eight, uh, he contacted Guggenheim. And wanted to be a part of the show and they tried to work it out. And he just, his schedule was so busy, he couldn't. That was all that was. He's a busy dude. <sighs> yeah, I'll buy it. <laughs> I mean, I like, I know scheduling is uh, is kind of a neat, like, it's a, a bit of an easy out to say mm-hmm. like, oh, scheduling, so we couldn't. And at times it's true and sometimes it's just kind of an excuse, you know? Well, I mean, he did specifically talk about like how... They they had been like DMing on Twitter. Yeah, no, I uh, trying to get trying to work it out the whole season. This is this is the thing that I've I don't know, I've I've been insistent upon <laughs> since we started seeing all the pieces come together. Is like yeah, there there may be some scheduling and you know maybe there's a little bit of coach speak and some some walking back from uh, the reality of so and so just being a jerk or whatever. I, there's probably a lot of stories if we had enough time to have a biographer do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's gonna be a little bit of fussiness, a little bit of muddiness, but mm-hmm. overall, what those producers achieved is just fucking phenomenal. Agreed. Uh, yeah, and and a fair amount of what they were battling the entire time was scheduling. Yeah, you wanna you wanna know what his original vision for the end of Arrow was? Yeah, what you got? I'll tell you the way I originally planned it on ending. You'll certainly see how this is different and why it's different. I always saw this show ending with Oliver's death, but Oliver's death in the actual finale. 
Then I kind of had a little bit of a fantasy that Oliver would die, and you'd end with some sort of news broadcast talking about his legacy, and that would sort of become the voiceover. And then you would go to this rooftop on a whole other city, and on the cut, a thug or some bad guy would crash to the frame, having been punched off screen. And these pair of black boots would come down right in front of him, and there'd be a flutter of a scalloped cape, and the voiceover would say something along the lines of, Oliver Queen inspired a whole new generation of vigilantes. The implication being, of course, that he inspired Batman. So that, of course, didn't happen for a variety of different reasons, not the least of which is Batwoman came along. But that was my original conception. It's not a bad go. Not a bad go, buddy. Apparently, he actually also tried to get Justin Hartley for years to to be on Arrow, and it just never happened. He just couldn't do it. He couldn't get it to happen. I don't know why. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I mean, we didn't get him, but we got his corpse laying on the ground in a shot. Yeah, yeah. He talked about that, too. He said that, like, he was trying to find a way to get get it in there somehow. And he uh, asked uh, he asked them if they could, Warner Brothers, if they could use the suit. And they were like, well, you can, but it only has to be for an allotted certain amount of time. And you can't get it dirty. So <laughs> You got four and seconds and pick it up immediately. He said, they said, no you can't get it, they said, you can't get it dirty. He's like, I really hope they didn't see the scene that we used, you know, like <laughs> the scene they, they put him on a mannequin in a ditch. They put him on a mannequin and stuck him in the dirt in a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> Better to ask forgiveness than permission. Mm-hmm. All right. So according to variety, you know, we, we have already known that flash postponed, uh, or has has been on hiatus, production hiatus, but according to Variety, The Flash postponed the ending of its current season. Uh, they're not able to finish production in the immediate future. We have no idea when it's going to resume. Um, we have a maybe an idea of where when it might start airing, but nothing concrete. Um, Variety says that they'll be wrapping up, quote, later in 2020. Yeah. Um, a lot of their shows shoot in Vancouver and Canada is pretty much shut down right now, so mm-hmm. it just is what it is. No, but the thing is, is Star- DC's Stargirl premiere is delayed, and um, it was originally going to come out May 11th, and now it's been pushed back to May 18th, and uh, we might actually be getting, that's, that might be when The Flash starts coming back, uh, airing new episodes, because Stargirl was supposed to be scheduled to air after The Flash on CW. Yeah. They wanted The Flash to be its lead-in. So uh, May 18th is a probable guess for when a, when new Flash might start popping up again. Um, and Mark Guggenheim was asked uh, <laughs> what what the uh, what the production status of Legends of Tomorrow's current season is, and uh, Legends got did. It's done. Mark said we were able to complete production on the season, and post production has been moving the pace thanks to our incredible team. In fact, we're having a virtual sound mix of episode 514 this afternoon. So, as of him answering the question. So, uh, yeah. Don't know when I'll be back on the air, but Legends uh, is shot. It's good. Good. Now, here's a little bit of news. uh, And it might not be news. There's a a site now. I I praise the name. I don't know how credible they are, but it's called Illuminerdy. So, props on the name. That's a bad start. (laughs) I like how you say that. that's a bad start. And I'm like, that name is baller. <laughs> <laughs> like, you and I have two totally different opinions on this, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's see where this gets. Mm-hmm. Well, they claim they have some, um, some, uh, casting call, you know, character descriptions for mm-hmm. Superman and Lois. Of course. And, uh, 
apparently it's going to involve a character uh let's see looking to cast a quote diverse 35 to 39 year old actress for sally bunyan sally is described as a loan officer at a bank who was married to kyle bunyan and has two daughters, 16-year-old Sarah and 8-year-old Sophie. The casting description notes that they are looking for these series' regular roles to be portrayed by diverse actors. Um, Sally's life takes a turn when she reconnects with her high school boyfriend, which in turn is another straining factor in her marriage to Kyle. On the subject of her husband, the casting department is looking for a diverse actor between 35 and 39 to play Kyle, a fire station chief who has basically become a hero in his own right to the town. Described as being an alcoholic, who has seen a lot of darkness in humanity, Kyle has some problematic attitude issues that affect those around him. Sarah is a gifted, popular teenage girl who is keeping some dark secrets that she only begins to reveal when she begins a relationship with a certain boy. Sophie is described as a young girl who tends to embarrass her family. Based on these details, it sounds like the Bunyan family will have quite the stories to tell on the show. Now, uh, uh, a lot of people think, or and they are certainly saying in this article that Sally Bunyan is going to be Lana Lang. That's where my head went, yeah. Yeah. And I, I wondered if Kyle would be Pete Ross, but I'm like, D- can we not have him be like an alcoholic, domestic abusing firefighter? Uh, we, <laughs> we already Zach already made him the manager of an IHOP. This man was the vice president of the United States, for God's sake. <laughs> At one point, somewhere in a bunch of monthly stories. <laughs> like, I've seen Pete Ross be like... An idiot street racer who's angry at Clark for being yeah, I get Clark. It. I mean, I, I, just, I get it. He's uh, a bit all over the place. I know. I know Pete Ross has been a bit all over the place in the comics as well. I just you know, and we don't even know that this is Pete Ross or Lana Lang for that matter. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, now, uh, apparently, uh, they're also bringing in uh, General Samuel Lane, but he's going to be recast. Uh, according to this article, uh, Glenn Morshower uh, played him in Supergirl season one. Um, and uh, there's, they're reporting that their Superman and Lois is looking to uh, recast his part. And uh, they're looking for a Caucasian actor in his 60s to play him. A serious army general whose main mission is, is to protect the United States of America as well as the world from any threats, whether it comes from on or off Earth. Anyone who looks for or together with him is expected to uh, be performing 110% no matter what, says. Um, I, I hate to see some, I hate to see him recast, but uh, I guess we could, you know, I mean, we didn't need Crisis to explain Sarah being recast, so I guess we don't have to have Crisis to necessarily say that, or you could say Crisis. Yeah. Uh, well, Sarah. Right. And they have uh, <laughs> a couple of possible bad guys here. Um, one of them they are saying is Morgan Edge, but they're actually is, he's actually being called Sebastian Saint here. And they would need a recast on. Hmm. They're saying it's it would be recast for um, Morgan Edge because Adrian Pazder set, played him on on Supergirl, which I don't want that guy recast. Mm-hmm. I want Adrian to play him. I like that guy. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, it says looking for an, and it might not be Morgan Edge. That's just what they're saying. They said it sounds 100% like Morgan, uh, Morgan Edge. But uh, looking for an actor in his 40s of any ethnicity. Sebastian is a smart, forceful, and intense uh, billionaire who has, for some reason, continued to succeed. Sebastian's natural gift to drive can benefit others while it can become someone's hell. Should this indeed be Morgan, then it makes perfect sense. Uh, or he makes a perfect antagonist for Lois and Clark. It says, um, 
And they also have a character named uh, Ryan Simmons, a diverse male in his late 20s or early 30s, teased as being a man who has lost everything that he holds dear in life. Ryan's sole purpose now is to go after everyone who is responsible for destroying his life, battling with uh, appeasing his inner rage that is getting worse. Mm. And um, yeah, there was a uh, apparently a previous report that said there, there was a character called The Stranger in, in, in the show, but... Um, Mm, yeah, that's I don't a big know. deal we'll see about that yeah it didn't like fit with any uh, aside from like phantom stranger there's no one else in the canon that would really be you know we don't know of anyone that they would be pulled from specifically the word stranger alone is very loaded in dc mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it just is yeah it's nothing direct but it could be several things yeah it's uh but it's most often one thing and it's uh, multiverse changing like you don't want to bring that up for no good reason mm-hmm. you need to have a plan if you're gonna bring in phantom stranger mm-hmm. all right so apparently uh warner brothers tv a representative has said that harley quinn the animated series is going to be available uh, outside of the u.s pretty soon uh it's already begun airing in canada good. and there is a full blu-ray release for the first season on on the horizon Harley Quinn season two does arrive stateside Feb- uh, Friday, April 3rd. I am looking forward to it. I can't wait. We've only got a couple days here yeah. and, uh, Oh my God, I'm ready for the show. Yep. <laughs> um, the showrunners have teased a little flashback. Patrick Shoemaker says we will get to do a really cool flashback episode. That's a bit of an homage to Batman, the animated series while also retelling and reframing Harley's origin story with both the Joker and her original acquaintance with Ivy. And we turn that on his ear a little bit. There's a big revelation that a lot of the feelings that Harley had for the Joker maybe shouldn't have been that maybe a lot of those were based on lies and I'll leave it at that. Well, yeah, usually, but I'm interested to see what they're doing with it. What what they're talking about. I am. One of the most interesting parts was uh, that last moment when Joker kind of turns skin colored again. Mm -hmm. I'm deeply interested in what whatever Alan Tudyk is going to do with that. That turn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, um, J.K. Schmidt over at comicbook.com actually uh, had like an interview with Justin Halpern and Patrick Shoemaker, and they talked a little bit about uh, freaking villains that might be showing up in Harley Quinn. And, <laughs> and he was, he was, they were asked about big villains, and Halpern responded, There is one. There's one huge, huge DC character that plays a pretty big part in the back half of the season. And then Shoemaker, or Schumacher says, Well, let's just say in the trailers, there are parademons. So you know who comes with parademons. <laughs> I can tell you it's not. Scarecrow. Right. <laughs> no. Scarecrow done got got. Y'all. That bitch died. <laughs> <laughs> the crow done got got. He gone. <laughs> and uh, So sad. I, I love that voice. I like that actor. Yeah. The guy he was good. And the Harley Quinn showrunners did say that there have been rumblings about expanding. Now that Warner Media has several arms, we're exploring opportunities for other outlets, but nothing's confirmed. That that on the third season. And that says to me that they are very, like, he said, <laughs> that says to me they're looking at HBO Max and other outlets. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting because um, he says, um, 
as part of the, hey, look at us, we're this little show that's doing pretty well, we have sent a one page, just not even a synopsis, but more of a setup for what we for what could be season three. And so we have thought about it, but that's not to say that it could change entirely once we get a writer's room going. If we're lucky enough to get a third season pickup, it's all to be determined. So um, they have a treatment for season three already. That's good. Yeah. Though. Yeah. So I would say everyone listening to this, you are not many, but you are strong. <laughs> Vote Go for to this. DC Universe. Go and play it on a loop. Let them know that we want more Harley Quinn. Yep. It really is a lot of fun. It's one of those things where, like, if you just put it on autoplay and mm-hmm. walked in from time to time, you just mm-hmm. lose yourself to a couple episodes. Yeah. Just get yeah. distracted for, you know, 40 minutes. Yeah. And, you know, I, there are people out there I know personally who have said, I gave it a shot the first episode. It wasn't for me. I say to you, give it another shot. I, I think you were one of those people and we talked. That's right. Like I, I liked it okay. It was all right, but I was like, meh. But no, I I really enjoy it. Like this is really coming to itself. It brought it some did, heart. After it didn't a while. take very long. It didn't take very long to really get into a, a good, a really good groove. Yeah, it got uh, it got some timing. It got some heart. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that is all I have for this for this episode. Well, good. I've got to release the rest of the family from the back of the house. That's fair. Uh, thank you to all of our patrons. If you want to uh, become a patron, uh, patreon.com slash DC on screen. And um, every episode is available for free at DC and also Apple podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. Um, please get in contact with us at DC on screen on Twitter, DC on screen at gmail.com. Um, we're on Facebook. Type look at look up DC on screen podcast. We're on Instagram. You can oh my, DC on screen. We, we, you, you can talk to us anywhere, anywhere, anywhere y'all, anywhere, anywhere. <laughs> we do these fun little things where you know before we do an episode, I say, hey, anybody got any questions? This is your call, and then you know people ask us questions just like you heard on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, uh, we, we get more content. So <laughs> what was the Papa Manat guy's name? Jaiman Hansu. Okay, as Penguin. Until next time, (laughs) keep some DC on your screen. Dude has poise. Our intro music is by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Galactic Engineers of Magnetic Sounds, or GEMS, can be found on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Visit DCOnScreen.com to find our Patreon, merch, contact information, and every episode of the show for free, including crossovers we've done with other podcasts. DC Onscreen is a maladjusted production. For more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy, vlogs, parodies, and our improvised web series Hey Guy, visit maladjusted.dv.